All things automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. It's 8.37 and he's on the couch with a cup of coffee. Nico Smith, our petrol head. Nico, how's it going? I'm good in you, Michelle. You know, that's why we love you because you are always good. I mean, someone WhatsApped and said with so much negativity and then the message goes on. And actually, you are the guy who's always good. That's, oh, thank you. That's so nice, but I'm, uh, it's always nice to speak to you. And I look, always look forward to this part of my Saturday because it's so much fun, and I really enjoy it so much. So how can I not be good? I know. I'm just suddenly remembering that last week we had such a magnificent intro for you. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm really hoping that people are going to, like, sort of action and start making intros. So I would like to say put the challenge out there. If you feel you can top the intro we had for Nico last week, and if we can find it, we'll actually put it on air for one more time. Then, And you can top it and give Nico an even better intro. Then now's the time to do it. Nico, I would like to say that someone WhatsApped um, the mm-hmm. most gorgeous picture of, and we'll try and tweet it, of a 1958 Auto Union DKW two-stroke, which was seen in Belito on the 16th of March in 2021. And this oh, nice. person, whose name is Jono, yeah. also spoke, um, owned a 1960 Panhard. So Jono says that the person he spoke to who owned the 1958 yeah. Auto Union DKW two-stroke also has a 1960 Panhard. Um, is it a Panhard? Yeah. And it's a very beautiful picture, I have to say. So the DKW is actually an Audi. Uh, not exactly. DKW was um, um, actually the, the letters DKW, um, and I'm going to butcher some German, I apologize, but the name initially start, uh, meant Dumpskrachtwagen, which is a steam-powered car. So initially the oh. idea was to build a steam-powered car, and from there the brand grew, and it, uh, if I'm not mistaken, in the 1920s, it was the world's biggest motorbike manufacturer. Um, and it really made small cars and entry-level cars in, in Germany. And, um, but it was part of a group called Auto Union. So after the Second World War, um, even though Audi was part of that group called Auto Union, the only cars they made were DKWs because that's the only cars people could afford. So DKW effectively died in 1965 or 4, 64, I think, when Volkswagen bought over the company. Um, and then they stopped making DKW. So the last ones were made sort of in 64 um, because the DKW was compared to the Beetle. And, of course, the Beetle was, as you know, a big hit. But those old DKWs, I think, they're gorgeous little cars. And two-stroke engine is, is something else. It's quite an interesting experience. Um, yeah, but a lovely car. It's such a gorgeous car. And, uh, and Dash is going to tweet it out for our listeners to see. And you know what's so lovely about it as well, and thank you very much, Jono, for sending us a picture, is it's this beautiful powder blue. You just don't see cars in that color oh, anymore. Gosh. You know what? Old cars have such character. If you drive them, the new cars are great. I mean, they, they're quiet, they're comfortable, they have acceleration, but they've lost a little bit of charm that old cars just have, and new cars just don't have charm anymore. If I'm honest, all the new cars I drive, I think they're all fantastic, but the charm somehow is gone. Okay, so what about the new Opel Corsa? Does it have charm? Well, I, I, you know, it, it, it's in a difficult position, um, effectively, because um, Opel had left South Africa, um, but worldwide it was such a success. They sold 14 million cars since 1994. 14 million courses. And I had a Corsa Bucky, uh, 1.8 Corsa Bucky, which I loved, which was really great. I had a friend that had a Corsa, 
I remember Monique had a Corsa. Yeah, um, I had a Corsa once as well. Exactly. I think Monique still got a Corsa. I yeah, loved my little Opel Corsa. There you go. And they're Too great fast. cars. And now this is the, the latest generation of the Corsa. So it's actually now part of the group called Stellantis. And Stellantis is Peugeot and all the other manufacturers that go with that. Plus um, um, uh, the um, Fiat, Fiat and Alfa Romeo. And um, so, in other words, it's quite a big group, and they um, this is built on their platform. So, I'm going to ask you, what do you think of the look of the car on the outside? What do you think of the look of the Corsa? Um, it looks very cute. Yeah, I think it's 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 a good looking car. Um, you know, they they've got a very nice um, data running lights that that make sort of an arrow on the left and right hand side. So, um, nice looking cars with beautiful lines, um, and I think quite sporty on the outside. So, nice looking car on the outside and inside as well. Um, I think it's good looking, especially if you get a high spec version that has, well, both, all of them have a touch screen, but the middle range and the high range actually have an electronic drive infotainment system too. So then it really feels high tech compared to the Corsa I had before. So, so Nico, I mean, I'm looking at this Opel Corsa and from the side, it looks, uh, well, it looks a little like another German car, the Audi. Really? Well, like, I don't know, you know, when you look at a picture, a picture is difficult to tell because it's not in, exactly. the, in the metro. But I, I think it's, um, it's not, the side is not necessarily the strongest <laughs> line. No, I'm just laughing at you. <laughs> really? Like, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. But remember, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and we all will see different things when we look at something, you know. Yeah. So, so um, I, I think it has its own styling, but maybe it's lost some of the charm that it had before, mm. but it's still um, very modern. So definitely a very modern design. Um, so in its own right, I think it's a beautiful car. Maybe not the charm that the old ones had, but if you get um, the elegant version, you can have the, the body in one color and the roof in another color. So really that's something that, that makes it stand out. It's, for instance, not as, close, not as cute as an Opel Adam. Now, that was a great-looking, fun little car. But it's, it's more, I definitely think of the Corsa as grown up. Um, it's definitely now the size of the old Astra. So it's much bigger than it was before. Yeah, I mean that's exactly what I'm looking at. Is that it is the size of the old of the old Astra. Mm-hmm. Um, the Corsa that I had, for example, was a two door, and if I remember, Monique's was a two door as well. Which I was thought, and one of the reasons I got rid of it is the car felt too small for the um, engine that it had. It felt too the engine was way too fast for the size of the car. Whereas here with this four door. Perhaps it's more appropriate. Yes, again, I, I, um, you know, you, some people will always it's say you can't have beholder, enough yeah. power. <laughs> so yeah. it, well, it comes in two versions and two engines, effectively. Um, and they're definitely later technology engines. So there's a 1.2 liter three cylinder, um, two, um, um, and that engine is non turbo. And then that, there's the same engine, effectively, that is turbocharged. So if you have just a two liter three cylinder without a turbo, it's got 55 kilowatts and 118 newton meters of torque, where if you get the turbo version, it's 96 kilowatts and 230 newton meters of torque. So the non-turbo version, you know, that's, it's not a very powerful engine. So you're definitely more of a city car, and you're going to have to keep that pot um, or the, the kettle boiling on it. You're going to have to work it hard and get the revs going because there's not a huge amount of torque. Whereas the turbo engine um, with 96 kilowatts and 230 newtons, more than enough power, and especially with that torque, that 96 kilowatt probably feel like 120. So um, obviously when you look at just performance, the turbo one is the one to get. If the performance isn't a big thing, well, that the, the um, fuel consumption is actually claimed very, very good. So on the 1.2, 
it's claimed 5.8 litres per 100 kilometres, where on the bigger one, 6.3 litres. So really, really light on fuel. So that's one thing I think that a lot of people, if you're looking for a city car, might be looking for something that's a car that's really quite frugal. So, so Nico, um, if I look at it, it looks like it's, it's lower on the ground than the old Corsa. Is that correct? Well, um, George, it's difficult to say. You can see I know nothing about cars here. No, the car itself is definitely um, grown in size. So it is uh, is a bit lower, it's wider, there's definitely more space inside. So definitely, um, again, like we've said, think of it more like an Astra almost. It's definitely grown up, not the small little Corsa we all knew or know. Um, It also comes in three uh, editions, Michelle. So there's just the Corsa, the Corsa Edition, and the course are elegant. So if you get the, the, the standard specification, you'll have things like stability control and cruise control with speed limiter and tire pressure monitoring and one-touch windows in the front. The next step is the elegant, so that's one specification up. Now you get higher spec things like rain-sensing wipers, auto-dimming rear-view mirror, side-folding mirrors, heated front seats, the, the digital driver's display that definitely takes it up a notch, uh, leather flat-bottom steering wheel, um, and touch screen, um, or, and that touch, that two-tone roof rather. And in the elegance, which is the top line version, you'll now get more, more stuff, 180 degree reverse camera, lane keep assist, traffic sound recognition, forward collision alert. Um, in other words, if you're going to have a collision, it warns you front pedestrian detection and collision mitigation braking. So if the car's in front of you stop, the wow. car will brake for you. Um, wow. so it has a lot of spec if you go to the elegance, which is, of course, the top line version. So did you test drive it? No, I have not test driven it yet, unfortunately. So um, it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to get one and uh, spend a bit more time driving it. Because definitely, um, just talking like now and, 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 and talking about what the specs are, yeah. the car always feels different when you drive it. Um, and you, you get to learn, when you live with the car, you get to learn other things that you didn't know before. So um, not yet driven it, um, but I look forward to test driving it or maybe having it for a for a few days to, to, get, to Nico, get to live it, with it. Is it in the country already? Yep, it's launched in South Africa. So it, they are available now. Of course, okay. now it's just a case of I need to get myself, my hands on one of the press units and, and drive it for a few days. Yeah. Nico, also to just ask you very quickly, um, what do you think, what are the costs looking like? Um, okay, so, so the base cost yeah. for the Corsa is 274000 The edition is 294000 and the elegance is 386000 so it is. Um, it, it finds itself in, in quite a competitive field. You know, it really. Um, it, uh, you, of course, the, the top line here is the Volkswagen Polo. Um, if, if you look at the lowest spec ones, they are against the Vivo. So definitely there. Um, of course, with the new platform, it's a big benefit. But the Vivo performance-wise, with the turbo engine, will probably outperform it a little bit. Then other cars like a Mazda 2, I think, in this segment as well, um, is a, actually quite a good car. The Honda Jazz. Um, was always running and always very popular. Things like uh, um, Toyota Yaris Cross, probably I would say the cor- the, the Corsa for me mm-hmm. would be maybe a better buy there. So there's actually quite a wide choice that you have. In that you level. The, yeah, on that level, exactly. We have to go to a break, Nico. And when we come back from the break, we do have a couple of questions from our listeners as well. So we'll go to those. Um, and we'll close off on the Opel Corsa. It's at 10 to 9. All things automotive with the petrol head, Nico Smith. Hey, Nico. I know we haven't met before, but radio is such an intimate medium. 
feels like I've known you my whole life. So I thought I'd just come on here to tell you, Nico, you are the haste to my genoot, the cack to my tiss, the blitz to my bry, Macy, you are my car guy. Putting that out there, so anybody who wants to now start doing the introduction to the petrol head with Nico Smith, you are welcome to do it. We will broadcast it again and again. If you'd like to do the introduction to Zaya Sports, if you want to do the introduction to the Jet Set Breakfast, send it to us. We'll be playing it in all its full glory. Nico, we do have a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. I just want to ask you, are you uh, happy to close off on the new Opel Corsa? I think, no, I think we've closed off, so we can move on. No worries. Okay, so let's uh, go to this listener. Uh, good morning, uh, Michelle, and good morning to Nico. Um, I just want to say uh, thank you um, for, for the advice that I got last week from Nico uh, when I was about to purchase uh, my... CLA 45. Uh, by the way, this is France from Pretoria. Um, the baby have just arrived home uh, and it looks lovely. And uh, my question for this uh, week uh, to Nico is, Nico, um, I need a, a, a workhorse. I need a buggy that I'll use uh, every day to go to work and mostly I'm traveling um, on the gravel road. Uh, but I've gone through different uh, models and have a look at them. The first one was the Isuzu D-Max 300, uh, the Navara 2.3D, the Amarok uh, 3.0 V6, and the Wildtrak 3.2. Uh, but when I look at all of these cars, you know, uh, to travel every day and all of that, I still believe that uh, the Japanese brand, which is, which is the Toyota, uh, is still best. I mean, for me, the kind of work uh, that I'm doing because uh, I'll be loading some stuff. I'll be traveling mostly on the gravel road. So um, I'm thinking of going for a Legend 50 double cap um, uh, 4x4 auto diesel. So I just want to find out from Nico. Um, do you think this is the best option that I'm taking? Because this is a car that I'm going to use um, every day. I don't want to go up to the um, to the new uh, Legend, but I'll prefer to start with the Legend 50 double cap 4x4 auto. This is France from Pretoria. Thank you. Jeez, France is doing his research, eh? He is. I mean, he's done what I would say the right, the right way to do this. To actually go look at all the vehicles and to go drive all of them so that you get a nice um, feeling and a nice idea. And then, you, you know, it's such a difficult question to say, is it the right one? Because all these vehicles he mentioned, they're all very good. He's obviously done his homework. And I would say, France, for you, that go for that Toyota, because obviously Toyota has the reputation. It is the most popular bucky um, in South Africa. Um, they have the backup. Um, so I would say um, it sounds to me like you've already looked at everything, and this is the one you'll take. And I think it's a good choice. Um, and if you chose something else, unfortunately, those would always also be good choices because these are all great vehicles. Um, so uh, it's actually quite difficult to make a choice because the, the, the selection is so good. But I would say go for the Toyota. Definitely a good vehicle. You will never be sorry for that purchase.
Fantastic. France, well done. It sounds like you are, are someone who does the job as appropriately as possible. And that's, uh, that's what we all need in the world. Then um, Ian in KZN says, please ask Nico, what cases a cam belt jumps to jump the teeth on a cam? Oh, what causes a cam belt to jump the teeth on a cam in a 1997 Golf Chico 1.6? <laughs> so the trimming has gone out again and the thing is it's just been replaced and the tension wheel, dot, dot, dot. Not sure about that, but what causes the cam belt to jump? Well, I don't know. So, so, so what a cam belt is, is a car has lots of moving parts. Um, and a cam belt is a belt that connects effectively the pistons to the valves. In other words, um, we have to have everything working in unison. So when the piston's moving up, for instance, the valves have to be closed. And a, a cam belt or a timing belt, just make sure all the timing is right. Now, sometimes in a service, they have, you've got to make sure that you set that thing exactly right so that everything works in exactly the same spot. So it's a belt with little teeth on it, and the belt should sit in the right place uh, and turn and make sure things work exactly the same. So I'm not sure if it's a brand-new belt, if I'm understanding this correctly. Maybe it just wasn't set the right uh, – uh, the first time it wasn't set right. Um, and if it's out one or two teeth, that's maybe the start. Um, I, I'm, otherwise, I'm not sure what would make it jump. Um, I don't know if something could get into the belt. That, to me, doesn't make sense. So I don't know if it was actually initially not – if it's a brand-new cam belt. The timing wasn't set right from the start. That could be the cause. An older belt could stretch – so you could have issues with older belts. But a new belt, to be honest, I'm not sure. I would take it back to the guy that did this and say, listen, you've got to fix. Because obviously, if you get it out quite a lot, if a cam belt breaks, um, it's actually quite an expensive repair on a car. So not something I would mess with. Okay. Another voice note for you. Morning, Michelle. Please ask Nico, is the Mahindra S4 a good bucky or not? The Mahindra S4, the 2.2 Mahindra S4. Please ask him. Thank you. So I don't need to ask him because you just did. So, Nika, what uh, is the answer? Well, you know what? Um, it, it, it's always a case of, um, I know a farmer, for instance, that's very, very happy with this Mahindra. Um, and the, the, what, where Mahindra looks in the market is they say that they're more the cost-effective bucky. So if you look at a, at a Mahindra, and you compare it to, let's imagine the other makes we had, Isuzu or uh, Volkswagen or Toyota or um, um, Ford. Um, Mahindra sits in a market where it's more on the affordable side of things. In other words, the, 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 the trimmings might not be the same as in a Hilux, but the price range is good. So I think in, in a value, you pay for what you get. I think it's a good choice because um, it's not as expensive as the other vehicles, um, but it still offers you a, a fairly good dealer um, uh, network um, and uh, as I said, it's, um, it it gives you good value. It's a good value for money, Bucky. So your own that the, the benefit there is that you can get a brand new one. You can always look at a secondhand um, Bucky of the other manufacturers and compare that to a brand new Mahindra and then make your choice. But yes, the benefit of buying a brand new vehicle with dealerships is, can back you up at a cost-effective price. Okay, very quick question. Uh, morning, Michelle. Any disadvantages in kick-starting a car? Fuel economy has gone up in my Ford after the battery went dead. Hmm. Um, I'm trying uh, disadvantages of kick. So what, what uh, kick-starting would mean that um, you put the car in second, um, not first, by the way, second, uh, push it forward and drop the clutch. It is quite heavy on the drive train 
and the system. It shouldn't affect the fuel consumption because when the car is running, um, uh, you've just you, you didn't have the battery to get the engine going, so you effectively used the the wheels to get the engine going. But it shouldn't be immediately the, the fuel consumption should go up. So I'm not sure why the fuel consumption is up, but obviously it's something you need to check out and, and replace that battery soon. I wouldn't suggest every time you have to start it, apart from being a big pain, jump starting the car or, or um, um, push starting the car. Okay, now this is a very, very quick question for you. Someone's saying they have an Isuzu 2.5 diesel 2018 that they don't drive much, and they want to know if the engine is left standing very long, will it affect it? Yes, not good for any car. Uh, If a car is standing, it needs to be driven. uh, It can affect it in the long run. Um, So drive it, don't stand it, yes. There's not a lot of time to go into the details, but yes, it's definitely not good for a vehicle if it stands for a long time. So drive it. Drive it, drive it, drive it. It's 9 o'clock. It's time for the news. Good morning.